everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and I'm so excited to be back with the latest edition and latest episode. Really excited as well to have Deborah Kozowski with me. And Deborah, where I like to start these interviews is to get the guests to tell us a little bit about themselves and their backstory and journey for the viewers and listeners who may be discovering you for the very first time today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Wow, that's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, so when it comes to where my journey is, I have a background in nursing. And uh, one time a friend of mine who is an entrepreneur took me out to a, a networking event and I had never been to one before. And I was listening to the speaker and she was talking about the little engine that could and pushing through challenges. And I was sitting there just watching everybody mesmerize. And I thought, I need to be a part of this world. This world is for me. And then I hadn't gone to another one for a while. And then I went to listen to another speaker one day and I was, it was a real estate seminar and I was sitting in the audience and I was like, I'm gonna pick his brain during the break. And I went up and I said, I just wanna ask you how, do you, how do you do this? And he looked at me and he said, hang on to that thought. And it was one of the rudest awakenings I ever had because he pulled me up on stage after the break in front of 200 people at a real estate seminar and asked me what I did wrong. Yeah. And I was like, um, I asked you if I could pick your brain and then it hit me because of all the personal development I've done. It's not about picking your brain, but is there a chance I could take you for coffee or is there a chance I could volunteer for one of your events and learn from you versus let me suck everything out of you in this moment. And he said, by the way, I'm not a motivational speaker. And I'm like, okay. But when he did that, when it was over, all of these people came up to me telling me about Toastmasters and uh, CAPS, the Speakers Association, and all these things I could be doing. And all of a sudden, these solutions came to me. And I was like, okay. So then I went to another real estate seminar, and I was watching this other gentleman. And I said, wow, okay. I got to get on this. So I went to the back and I started talking to him and he said, Deb, I will mentor you. You have a hunger. I will mentor you. Let's quit overanalyzing everything. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, we'll stop doing that. And then I, um, he challenged me to put together a audio series. And he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to write a book, but I've never had that thought before. And he goes, well, let's start with you interviewing seven to nine people. And I interviewed seven to nine people and I created an audio series of five different individuals. And he asked me to come to his event in Vancouver and it was the first time I had been on stage in front of a group of people to share what I had done. And I was, I had a certain length of time and I challenged that time and I came up with this product and it was amazing feeling, but it was also the first time I had been away from my family, my youngest, I think he was one or two years old. I had flown for the first time to get a taxi my first time, stayed in the hotel the first time. And I was like, I'm going after this. I can't believe this is happening. And, you know, ever since then, I had sold my um, product at a conference one time. And there was a lady there who bought my first product. We sat down and we talked for a little bit. And then we said, we're going to get together for coffee when we get back home. And she came and met me for coffee. We talked for four hours that my husband was phoning and saying, um, are you coming home for supper? And I'm like, oh shoot, I lost track of time. 
and we decided to write a book together. So I started with GPS, Your Best Life with Charmaine Hammond. It's an award-winning book, um, bestseller as well. And then it progressed. And now I'm now three books in and uh, continually thinking about how I can serve people from the stage. Wow. That's such a very cool journey. And I love that it's unique because one of the things, so as a speaker myself for a lot of years, how I got into the speaking business is, I'm going to say not very typical. I actually was tricked into getting on a stand-up comedy stage and, and there's a whole story behind that, but how I bombed on that stage. And then that turned into me discovering this world of speaking and realizing it had all the things I liked about stand-up and maybe some of the things I didn't like were gone uh, from it. And that's how I kind of got in. And when I tell that story, people are like, wow, I've never heard that before. And I have to say with your story, I haven't heard one like that either, where you went up and asked the speaker and then the speaker brought you on the stage and, and sort of made you, put you in the hot seat, made you the spotlight and, and used it as an educational moment for the audience, I guess, and yourself as well. I mean, and that's so cool. And the fact that after even having that experience, you still wanted to go into that further. And then, as you said, having that first experience being on the road, which I'm so many years now on the road, I forget sometimes what that first experience is like, you know, because I, I was, for me, the, what made it sort of, I didn't have family then. And so what made it unique for me is I was really young and it was kind of like the first time I'd really traveled sort of on my own. So I totally get it. Um, now I have a one and a half year old, which makes it a new experience because yesterday we left him, I left him at the New York airport. They went off in a different direction than me. And he's like, bye, bye. But like, he doesn't realize how long bye is. And then my girlfriend was telling me we, they got to the next airport in Toronto actually. And he was, saw a guy from behind that had a bald head and said, dada, daddy, dada. And then that just wrenched at me because it's like, now he, he must clue in now. Where's, where, wait a minute. Where's that dude at? He, he just left me five minutes or he left me a few hours ago. I thought he was just going to be gone for five minutes. Cause we say, we say bye to him whenever we're leaving, even if we're gone for a half hour. Yes. So he's the concept of this guy. And so I'm gone on the road now for a month. So that from now until, until May 8th, roughly. And so I totally get it. What it's like having that first experience. So I guess then the next part then, uh, Deborah, is so you decided you want to go in the direction of speaking. You decided that this is a calling for you. You've even went down the path of authorship, which I find there's two directions. Some speakers will say to me, when should I write a book? Some authors will say, should I get up and speak? And so it's kind of neat to see that you started with the, the, the book as well and have that already in the wraps. And I know who Charmaine is just through social media contacts. Uh, so that's so cool. So I guess uh, now today, so that was kind of the backstory and, and brings us up to today. So now today, do you still have that same, and it sounds like you do, but do you still have that same sort of electricity for getting on a stage and do you still feel it's your calling? And the second part to that question is how has the book helped on the speaking side? Okay. Um, so one of the things that I, I would share about the journey is that my hunger only gets stronger. And I had been interviewing um, Deborah Poneman for one of my um, podcasts. And she was doing this visualization exercise of this, what you want to achieve. And every time I go into that place of visualizing being the speaker on the stage, I'm wearing the same outfit. The lights are bright. It's just like if it's from uh, America's Got Talent, that backstage picture of me walking. Like I can, it's, I'm outside my body watching myself walk across the stage and all of these people 
thousands of people in the audience waiting for me to take the stage. And the thing is, there's an aura around it. It gets brighter and brighter all the time. And there was a, a stage that I said, okay, there was stuff going on um, at home. And I was like, if what I do really bothers you, maybe I should just shut it all down. And I was really being really serious. And, and as soon as I said that, tears flowed and I couldn't stop them. I couldn't stop them. They just continuously flowed. And my girlfriend would phone me and she goes, what's going on with you? I just have this sense that something's not right. And I told her what I did and she goes, you can't do that. This is what you're meant to do. And I said, I know, but if it causes so much friction for people, I don't want to do it. And after two days of letting it continuously flow without any control over it, I was like, okay, this isn't happening. This is what I'm meant to do. I have to do this because that hunger, all it did was get louder and louder in my mind that saying, what do you think you're doing? So I sat down with everyone and I talked to them and they said, mom, we, we already know you wouldn't be happy not doing what you're meant to do. And I said, okay, but I want you to also remember when you have something that you truly feel is playing on your heart that you need to do, you need to follow through. Regardless of what people tell you, the world is going to adjust around you. And that was one of my greatest lessons, actually, to know that the world will, you know, I need to live my purpose so that mm -hmm. others live theirs. And if I don't, we're missing out on all the gifts of other, what other people have. So if, as long as I'm fulfilling my gifts and you're fulfilling yours, Corey, we are helping people step into what's possible for them when they never maybe thought it was possible because it's almost like, okay, I put my piece in the puzzle. In order to form this picture, you need to do your part. So it's, um, it was really exciting to me. And when it comes to the book, I think the book is a fancy business card. It gives credibility. Um, there's been times that I've spoken on the book. But there's times that people have approached me and said, you know, you do talk a lot about asking questions in emotional intelligence, but would you be willing to talk on this subject? And they're very much in alignment. So often we branch into other things that serve their audience and what they're looking for. And I'm like, you know what, I can do that. You know, it's gone. Or, I don't know if people necessarily, there are the signature keynotes. But no matter what keynote I'm preparing, it needs to be customized for the people that I'm serving and what their needs are, and what are the results that people want to have. You know, people think that sometimes public speaking, that, some, that public speaker just goes up on stage, and there's hours of preparation, because we want to be able to knock it out of the park by giving the right message to the right people. Absolutely. So, such a great point. Something that somebody said a while back at a, a show, and I've heard it said in different ways, but for whatever reason, this spoke to me. So it's the story I've shared on it. But the idea of what you just said, sometimes people think you just jump up on stage and this is just, you know, you just jump up the stage and everything that comes out of your mouth, uh, mouth uh, is what hits the stage and that naturally you didn't prepare and it was just, you know, it took you two minutes before you got up on stage and why would you even charge a fee for that and all that kind of stuff. And there was this comic I was uh, emceeing, well, I was speaking and hosting a show an event, a three-day event, but I also, they got me to MC the comic since I had a background in stand-up comedy. And I heard somebody saying to the comic, you know, I'm surprised you charge us that much whenever you're just on stage for 45 minutes. 
And so what he said was, and he had flown from BC to the Eastern end of Canada. And he said, look, you didn't pay me to get on the stage. I did that part for free. I didn't charge you for that. What you paid me for, and then he explained everything that happened before that. So you paid me for the 20 years it took me to get ready for your show and deliver at the level I did. You paid me to fly across the country and leave my family. You paid me to get in the rental car uh, company outfit and have a fight with the rental car company because they they sent out my car and, and didn't have one for me. And then wait around to find another car. You paid me to drive to the event. You paid me to get back home and miss a flight and it, on and on and on. And the funny part is I don't think, first of all, people booking speakers realize that's all that goes into it. But secondly, to your point, um, you know, I think people need to realize the sacrifices they're making, but also the reason they're doing that is that they recognize that they wouldn't be happy not doing it. And at the same time, they are changing lives. So they have the potential to change lives. So if they didn't do it, not only would they be suffering, so they'd be ruining one life, but think of all the people that wouldn't have been touched. I mean, and you might wonder, well, how does a stand-up comic uh, deliver the same type of thing as a speaker? But if you think about it, people are having a horrible day. They go watch a comic, and if the comic's good, they forget about that horrible day. To me, there's a massive value in that, to allow somebody who may be facing it, maybe in a depression, and can go to a comedy club for an hour and a half and forget that that's going on. So, and I think we, as speakers, we do the same thing. We either help people forget their problems or we teach them how to make their problems go away or we help them uh, solve future problems. But we're, we're still at the end of the day, we're trying to make stuff go away, pain or whatever that might be. So I'm glad you brought it up that way. And so Deborah, I know as well, you have a podcast. Um, so can you tell us a, a bit about what, you know, cause that's another whole different world altogether from writing a book. So what, made you decide that you want to go in that direction as well and and what that's what's that experience been like so here i am again imagine me sitting in an audience at a conference <laughs> listening to the guest speaker across the stage talking about how he's had a podcast and i thought this is pretty cool so he of course you know at the end of his um speech he was talking about how you can get involved and starting your own podcast and i just thought that i sat there and listened and i thought you know what everything in life you could figure it out so i said to myself in 30 days from this conference i'm going to launch a podcast i didn't sign up for his program i just challenged myself to figure it out and within 30 days to the day i launched the podcast that is awesome and, uh, it was an amazing experience and the reason i started the podcast is that i know that there's different ways that people can reach me so on a podcast, I initially just started with an app on my phone because I thought, okay, Boss Jock, that was the app that, was, that I learned about. So I had just started on my phone and it was just audio. And I had someone on Fiverr make my little intro, which now I need to revise because some things have changed in the intro, right? And then I was like, learned about Zoom. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. It can split it into audio and video. Then I can leverage it and use YouTube people can find me on YouTube and then they can find me on podcasts and then using social media to help promote the podcast as well so leveraging all these opportunities so when I was in the audience I thought I listen to podcasts how cool would it be to allow people to listen to me on a podcast and let my message be shared and the people I interview. So um, the Millionaire Woman Show is about leadership, business, and human potential. And there's times that I will have guests that we talk about different subjects in the, the, that area. And then there's times that I will pop on and I will be the guest. 
so that people get to know me as well. And I learned that from facilitating a networking group that I did for like three years. I facilitated my own networking group. And because I was a facilitator, I noticed that no one saw me as the speaker. So when, now that I do the podcast, I always ensure that there's one or two shows that I pop in and I share what I know so that they can remember that I'm a speaker as well. Yeah, that's such, such a great tip because to your point, I mean, I have two separate paths that I've created, two separate sort of brands. And one is the interviewer guy and one is the speaker guy. And, and it's funny because I say that sort of in jest in terms of the speaker guy, but you may or may not know, but that's my website handle, my email address, that speaker guy. Dot com. So I'd say it jokingly, but it is actually truly my handle. But um, the other side is the interviewer guy. And it's a challenge sometimes. Like if you think about somebody like Napoleon Hill, mm-hmm. Think and Grow Rich, I mean, he interviewed the top millionaires of the, t- of the day and the time and learned this great insight that he was able to share at lectures. But most people, if you ask them who Napoleon Hill was, first, they might say an author. Second, they'll say an interviewer. Third, a far distance, they'll say a speaker. And so it is a challenge, as you said, to be recognized as the speaker if you get too far into the interviewer role. It kind of becomes like, you become typecast in some ways. And I struggle with this often because I still am out there doing a lot of interviews. And so the challenge is how do you position yourself as also the speaker person? And so I love that you are doing that by popping onto the show and delivering insight and delivering messages and letting people know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm out here to teach people, not just to learn from others, if you will. Uh, so how, I guess on that side, what's the experience been like with the podcast in the sense of what's uh, feedback been like? Like, what have you heard from people that have listened to the show in terms of, you know, what they've taken away or has it made the dent on their life or all that kind of good stuff? Well, I've had a variety of feedback and I think part of it, it is cool that how global it goes, right? So when I pull up my stats and I can see that the top countries are Canada, US, and Japan, and I'm like, Japan? How did people hear about me in Japan, right? So I think that's just fascinating. And then I see Belgium and Brazil and all these different places. But when I start getting feedback from people, um, just saying that how this this message, um, I interviewed Sean Anthony recently, and one of the things he said in our interview is, when you are going after your dreams, you need to maintain the hunger of a rookie. So someone had messaged me and she said, what an impact, just that phrase alone. You know, it might not be the whole podcast that you get something from, but that one nugget's going to stay in your mind and in bed. And then I've had other people send me a picture of themselves or doing laundry or something and showing that my podcast is on while they're doing their housework or going for a run and I just think that's so fascinating that they can take me and whoever I'm interviewing um, with them on a journey and continue to do things in their lives but also absorb these nuggets that can really influence how they think how they feel and the actions that they're going to take and the results they're going to start getting. So that's such a great point. As we start to wind down, I'm going to ask you my three favorite questions to ask guests. Uh, It's the only part that's sort of semi- formatted, if you will. Um, the rest is uh, just, you know, just, I, I just wing it, but this is kind of the formatted part, uh, if you will. But uh, before I go there, it's so interesting you say that because it reminds me of the power of quotes, which is really, you know, those sound bites you're talking about are almost like audio quotes, but the power of quotes, like I can think of quotes that to this day, I still share with other people 
that have impacted not only my life and views, but how I live my life. So an example, one of my favorite ones is the Zig Ziglar quote. And I, it's sad I say my favorite, but I paraphrase it because I heard the original quote years ago and see it every now and then, but I, I probably stuck in my own head how to say it. But basically it's a quote he has that says along the lines of, uh, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And I took that message to heart. In fact, I would say it's probably a big part of how I got into interviewing 5,000 plus people because I'm trying to help other people get what they want, which is to get their message out to other audiences. And, you know, and it's resulted in me getting to interview so many amazing people and have so many life experiences. And so, you know, just that one quote, whether it was something I heard in a podcast or happened to be what I heard Zig Ziglar say all these years ago, changed my life. So to your point about that one thing about, you know, being hungry like a rookie could change lives. And it's so amazing to think that one little quote by somebody can change a life. Mm -hmm. at that yeah, and that Napoleon Hill quote has has been very significant for me, and it's very interesting um, when you talk about feedback. One of uh, the students that I um, coached in my alum, I worked as a alumni coach um, for a couple of years in supporting coaches coming out of coaching programs, and this one student that I had recently interviewed me on her podcast, and it's very, it's amazing to me because that quote speaks to this. And she said, Deb, you were one of the only people who were willing to help me. You didn't see me as your competition. And I was just like, well, why wouldn't I help you? And I'm thinking of the Zig Ziglar quote, because look, here I'm being interviewed on her podcast a few years later. You know, and I think there's two things here. People get caught up in, I need that reciprocal right now. I did something for you. You do something for me. And I don't believe in that at all, because the when you do something for someone, that good karma is going to come back to you. Maybe not from that person, but it's going to come back in a different way. The other point is there's 7 billion people. I cannot serve all. Corey cannot serve all. She can't serve all. There's enough for all of us to live very abundant lives. So again, to your point is the more people we can help, the more people are going to help us along our journey. So agree. And so I promised I was going to ask three I'll call them super quick questions, but you don't have to answer super quick. I just call them rapid fire questions, uh, just as they're the wind down questions. But okay. one is, how do you define success? Success is being able to live your life on your terms without being influenced by other people telling you what they think you should do. You are meant to live your life, your journey, and live it to the fullest and share your gifts with the world and step into that potential. To me, that's success. Now, how about, and it's kind of a, a play on the success side, but how uh, important do you think finding one's calling or purpose or why? Because now we use different terms for it, but finding your calling, I'll use that term. But how important do you feel that is, Deborah, to a person's life and success? I think it is the number one driver of everything that you do. When you know you're calling your why, whatever you want to term it, your purpose, that is your inner drive. It's that knowing, not just doing and being every day, like the doing stuff every day. It's that knowing and being where they come together. You get to be who you know you're meant to be. Love that. And so my final official question, I, I do have an unofficial one, but my final official question is uh, if you could jump into a time machine 
go back and visit a younger uh, Deborah, and you can pick the timeline because you'd know when she'd need that advice the most. Uh, but you could give her one or two pieces of life advice based on what you've learned in the years since then. What do you think you might tell that younger version? The message I would tell my younger self is trust yourself. Listen to what you tell yourself in silence. Because the answers that you need from the universe, God, whatever it is, they often come in silence. And to trust that, to know that you do know what's best for you. And uh, it's not everyone else that, you know, as a, as a kid, we listen to so many different people. But, and it's not that their guidance isn't important. But there's a point that you need to trust yourself to be who you are, show up in the world, and trust that all the efforts that you have put in, that hard work that you put in, will pay off. Just stay focused on your end game. Awesome stuff. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I said the last official question is simply, well, I didn't say what it was, uh, but I said I had an unofficial question, but it's simply how can we learn more? You know, people have listened to this interview. Uh, it's never long enough. I'll call it a to be continued because I know we barely scratched the surface. So if people want to dive into your work and, and the stuff you're doing in the world, where would you normally direct them? Absolutely. And Corey, just before we end, then I would love to just say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, for having me on here so we can share these kind of messages with your audiences. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for being here. And, and you crushed it, for lack of a better word, of, word or way of saying it. So <laughs> thank you so much. Awesome. So you can find me at www.debrakazowski.com. And um, check out my new website. It's actually just got refaced and uplifted. So it's uh, very much something that um, my team and I are very proud of. Um, and again, it does take a team to create that. So I'm very grateful for them. And you can also go over to my social media. It, everything's Deborah Kazowski, so it's easy to find. And also, I would love for you to go over and listen to the Millionaire Woman podcast. And let me know what you think. And uh, Corey, we're going to have to have you on the show sometime very soon. Oh, that sounds good to me. I was raised by a single mother. Uh, so I find that I, I probably tap in even to the feminine side of my life as much or more than the masculine. So happy to do it. I think I'm, I can be a good fit because I can probably speak from two perspectives. So, awesome. I'm also a Gemini. So I have a, a female and a male twin inside me. So There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Deborah. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.